Right Networks gets your current accounting-based desktop and legacy applications into the cloud. Finally, it's easier and more secure to share sensitive documents and data with your clients. This new flexibility allows you to cost-effectively grow your business and even reach new geographies. Right Networks knows your reputation is on the line, so go with a solution that is backed by Intuit. For more information, give them a call at 888-469-5905. That's Right Networks at 888-469-5905. And uh, say profit first when you call them, and you get 10% off. One more time, that's Right Networks at 888-469-5905. And uh, become you know, a 2018er and get on the web. So my friend, and he actually did a TED video on this. There was a murder attempt on him. Oh. Well, you remember uh, oh. his son <laughs> worked here. Yeah. And Jackson goes, oh. we So we have a daily huddle and we go, hey, um, you know, everyone give your update. And you're like, oh, my sister's having a birthday tomorrow. I'm like, oh, you know, we just bought a new rug for our house. And Jackson's like, oh, someone tried to kill my dad. And kept on like circulating. I know. That was horrible. And I'm like, What? So his dad did a TED talk? His dad did a TED oh, I have to watch it. TEDx talk on it. And isn't his name Ted? That's the great irony. <laughs> that's the great irony. He was destined to do this. <laughs> and um Ted's TED talk. The crazy thing is like you don't know. So the he works for a private company. It was a random assault in a home that this company was renting for a retreat act event and someone presumably on some kind of drugs broke into the house and just randomly assaulted Ted. I know. And there was eight people in the house. I think that was the craziest part. And there was eight people and no one else got attacked. Nope. And they were sleeping through. It was like three o'clock in the morning. But Ted's wife got a call and they said, um, your husband's severely injured. He's in the hospital. Fly out. They don't say much more than that. And this wow, is a private really? company. Well, because I think they don't know all the facts yet. And then there, there's liability. Like, do we yeah. say there was a murder attempt? Like, we don't know if it was a murder attempt. What if like it was one of the colleagues there that was fed up with Ted yeah, and said, yeah. you know, I'm going to end this, Ted. But here. still, did they say he was stabbed? Like, did they? I think she got she got information during the travel. Oh. They actually put her on a private plane and got her out there. Wow. Yeah, the military sends you commercial. Yeah. I don't know. I know it's weird banter to start off a, uh, a presentation, a uh, podcast with, but that's how we roll here, you know? Yeah. So on that note, welcome everybody to the Profit First Podcast. This is the Bob Bethel episode. Oh! <laughs> There's the energy. Nice, nice. There you are. All right. So everyone, uh, that's Kelsey there. Kelsey Ayers. Oh, by the way. Hello, everybody. So, I was at a speaking event for Dave Ramsey's event, yeah. right? I was just telling Bob off the air about it. I'm down there, and someone comes up and goes, how's Kelsey Ayers <laughs> doing? I'm like, she's good. I've gotten that so many times. Have you really? Like in email form, people were like, accentuate that S. I yeah. love it. Yeah. I love it. It's catching on. So uh, you, my friends, this is Mike here and Kelsey Ayers, the co-host. And uh, you are listening to the Profit First Podcast. This is a show where we explore all elements of profitability. Uh, today, we're bringing in an expert who has been in Involved in 77 business turnarounds. The guy knows what he's talking about. And he's going to tell you the number one reason businesses fail, a.k.a. the number one thing you should avoid. Uh, by the way, me, in case you don't know who the hell I am, I'm the author of Profit First. Tell me, tell me you have a copy of that book. If you don't, what are you doing listening to the show without the recipe behind the show? Yeah. Um, I also have a brand new book that's coming out on August 21st. We're three weeks away from when this goes live. 
It's called Clockwork. Uh, you know who just endorsed the book? Who? You know who did it, right? Did I know. It? I say know. it. Say it. Simon Sinek. Oh my God! <gasps> Simon Sinek, the ultimate endorsement. That's going to be front and center. Well, back and center, because on books you put on the back. Yeah. But back, center, top. Simon Sinek endorsed the book. It's huge. Gino Wickman's endorsed it. Um, uh, uh, and there's about, I think, six or seven other people have come up and endorsed it. The, the editor-in-chief at Entrepreneur Magazine just backed the book. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. And can you say what Simon Sinek said about you? Uh, don't read this garbage, it says. <laughs> it says whatever you do. Yeah, but he said it something. Really he said something. <laughs> he said, don't read this garbage. I'm like, oh, my God. It exists. It's all yeah. that matters. I'm just gonna put endorsed by Simon Sinek, and that's it. I'm not gonna say how. You know, I'm, I'm, not, I'm gonna hold that. Okay. And we're gonna announce it on uh, the podcast that goes live that week. We'll read it. How's that sound? Yeah. That juicy. Perfect. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um. And so we're gonna explore the profit first uh, concept here. We do it on every single episode. Every element of profitability. Uh, we're gonna actually start bringing on more and more guests uh, that are uh, experiencing profit first. Now that we've been out there for four or five years. Um, but we're always lucky to sneak in a special expert, and that's what we got today. Uh, and why don't you tell us where they can find us before we get rolling? Find us on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, mm. any podcatcher anywhere, but of course, ProfitFirstPodcast.com. And please subscribe wherever you listen to. So I'm listening to the Mike Rowe podcast. Yes. You, do you listen to that? No, but you've talked about it before. And, he goes, and it's like the, the way I heard it. And he tells these like mystery stories um, that are fascinating. And... For the first, they had their 100th episode, and he basically did a debrief of the show. Uh, instead of doing his typical mystery story in eight minutes, he did a debrief of the show, and what he did was read Listener Mail. And maybe this was the 99th episode, but he reads Listener Mail, and it's so funny. It was two emails juxtapositioned against each other. The first one said, Dear Mike, not me, Mike Rowe, Dear Mike, <laughs> Love your show, and I love the banter in the beginning because he has this banter. It really gives flavor to the show, and it gets me associated and connected with you, and then you you read on, and I love it. The next email says, could you stop the blathering? Yeah. Uh, I hate it. Yeah. All I want is the meat and content. For God's sake, man, just produce a show. Yeah. And Mike Rowe's response was, was great. He said, I respect everyone's opinion, of course. He's like, but I just got to be who I am. I like to talk and share my story. And he goes, and I know... You, he talked. Now he's talking directly to the person that says, "Stop blathering." You're even listening to this right now, <laughs> which is cute. So uh, we get the same feedback. People love yeah. the blathering, and others don't like blathering. Do you yeah. have any relatives that blather a lot, like blatherers? My mother. If you get her on the phone, like she says that she has phone anxiety. She doesn't like to call you. Yeah. But then once she's on the phone, she will talk and talk and talk. Where like she gives side stories to side stories that My mom is too. completely irrelevant. And you cannot get off the phone. Even just the process of getting off the phone takes forever. My mom, too. Yeah. She's like, oh, Mike, real quick, we're in a rush. And I'm like, this is going to be an hour. Yeah, exactly. And she shares, like, story after story, and it's like, ma. I know. But at the same time, it's my mom. Exactly. And, you know, I yeah, I respect my mom. Exactly. I thought it was fascinating last episode with Adrian Dorson talking about mother-in-laws. Yeah. That, did you get along with your mother-in-law? No, I did initially, and then it just soured. Yeah, yeah, it is hard. Okay, uh, you know, I thought I was one of the few that had that situation. I no, like my mother-in-law. I feel like it, it's very hard to have a good relationship. I have seen it, but I feel like more often than not. And it's it's a, it's really this possession of the son, right? The the mother can't give away her son, and the wife. Is her husband, right? Is yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think it's to some degree, it depends on the relationship of 
the husband to the mom like if if they will constantly kind of give the mom the priority you know what i mean if if they cater to the mom all the time and yeah kind of, and that it creates that tension yeah i want to cater both to my mom and my wife yeah. I, I want like pure catering yeah <laughs> you can't make everyone happy. I want everyone to cater meal. Hey, before we bring uh, Bob Bethel on, I want to know, do we have any listener mail today? We or do. shout outs, I should say. Yeah. This one comes from Brennan Lucas. Uh, he says he's a huge Papa First fan and he loves the podcast so much, especially the grunting. Ha! And the banter. <laughs> I swear I did not read that first. <laughs> uh, Thanks, Brennan. Yeah, he runs Whipped bake shop in philadelphia with his ridiculously talented wife zoe and they're working on implementing profit first for their business so <clears throat> brennan and zoe if you really want to crank up the uh the sales at whipped bake shop in philadelphia uh and everyone else listening go there right now broadcast this constantly like you know a lot of people have music in the background how bo- how often do you go to a bake shop you're like could you stop playing you know whatever music it is like your <laughs> yeah, journey kenny, yeah. kenny oh kenny g's even worse the elevator music I would do the Profit First podcast. Yeah, why not? It'll get people running. Never get tired of our voices. No, well, no, I think they will get tired of it. That's the whole idea. They go in there and instead, you don't want people lingering. You want them to buy the food and get the hell out of there. You have this playing. People are like, geez, what is this? Or they won't come back. I'm not sure I agree with your method. That's a good point. Okay. But can I say he sent a picture and in the background he had the coolest cake with like a geo design on it. It was so cool. That's cool. That's cool. Well, we love you guys. Wishing you much profits. And everyone else listening, next time you tour Philadelphia, it's one of the most historic cities in the world. We love Philadelphia. Well, at least in the U.S. Go to Philadelphia and stop by the Whip Bake Shop for some whipped up goods. Yeah. Um, I do want to thank our corporate partners make the show a reality. I have no idea who they are. <laughs> I think it's next. Yes, you do. I think it's next Diva and Receipt Bank. Yes, exactly. Do you maintain the show outline? Can we delete yes. the other company off there? I made a new one last week. I think oh, but I, I didn't mine got out. thrown away, so I think somebody threw yours away too. Okay. So next Diva and Receipt Bank, you know the routine. We'll share more about those folks in a little bit. I think you should be using them too. Uh, and in addition to uh, our great guest interview we're going to have in just a second, we're going to share the insights that we learned from our guest. We also have Right Network sponsoring this episode. Um, yeah, and I have the sheet right here. i got to do these reads ahead of time. <laughs> I'll do the read in the middle again. Yeah, exactly. But Right Networks, um, you can give them a call. We'll tell you how to call them. Just <laughs> put that in your pipe and smoke in the meantime. His name it's is Robert. you need to know. <laughs> Robert Thomas Bethel is the orchestrator of seven- is it Roberts? Did I say Roberts? I said Robert Thomas. Did I say Roberts? I think so. Oh, you're so, you are so. I bought you chocolate so you wouldn't <laughs> like like get down like you attack can't do me. That. How can I sweeten you up? There's nothing I can do. <laughs> nothing. I love it. I no. love it. I love it. Uh, Robert Thomas Bethel, who goes by Bob, is the orchestrator of 77 business turnarounds over the past 50 years. Bob owns several companies across the Southern United States. And has operated businesses both nationwide and internationally. He currently resides in beautiful Orange Beach, Alabama, with his wife, Reese Witherspoon. <laughs> and um, I don't know if you know this, he's an Eagle Scout. Bob, welcome to our show. Welcome, Bob. Thanks, Kelsey and Mike. I appreciate you having me on. Oh, it's a joy. Pleasure. It's a joy. And I really do believe you have the most beautiful beaches in the United States. I, I've traveled the beaches mm-hmm. all over. You think it would be Florida. Alabama and Mississippi actually have gorgeous beaches along I've the coast. That's good to yeah, know. They really do. Do you have any and, uh, businesses in Orange Beach? We have one operating business in Orange Beach, which is a management company. Okay. What's a management company? What do they do? 
Uh, it operates our apartment complexes across the southeast. Ooh. Okay. That's nice. Do you have a lot of apartment complexes? We do. I wish you'd say I only have one. <laughs> How many apartment complexes do you have? <clears throat> well, we have both apartment complexes and commercial office buildings, actually. Mm. Uh, and all of them were uh, companies that we took over that had failed. And so we have kept them in our portfolio for a number of years, and uh, uh, they are profitable. Well, nicely done. Now, you've saved and turned around 77 businesses. Uh, you've done it in 50 years. That means at least, what, you're, you're averaging a one and a half to two a year? How does a guy do that? Well, by getting very old and working a lot of hours, Mike. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, actually, I, I got into this business because when I got out of college, uh, age 21, I started my own business. And of course, at that point in life, uh, I knew everything. Yep. I, I had been raised in my father's business. So uh, it took me about two years to accumulate a, a pretty decent net worth from start. And uh, then we hit a recession, and I found out exactly how stupid I was. Mm -hmm. And um, it took me about three years to work out from under the debt. I didn't go bankrupt, uh, but I had to sell everything uh, to get out of the trap. And that actually put me into doing uh, turnaround work because uh, I was fortunate enough that a friend of my parents, who was one of the wealthiest men in Middle Tennessee, came to me. And he had retired but had about 23 businesses, and he wasn't satisfied with the performance. And he said, I think you've learned a great deal. And I'm going to give you a third of these businesses if you'll come in and make them profitable. Mm. So to coin a phrase, profit first. <laughs> so, but let's talk about first. Were you your own business the first turnaround? You said you were approaching bankruptcy uh, and you started uh, turnaround companies. Yes, I, I actually got out from under it by selling everything. Okay. Uh, and that was very painful uh, mentally. Uh, it was devastating, but it brought me back down to earth. What kind of and business was that first business that went? Automobile dealership. Mm. Wow. Um, what were, when it came to these 77 businesses that you subsequently turned around, give us a sense of the types of businesses they were. 26 different industries, Mike, uh, from chain of restaurants in Kansas City, Missouri, that we bought from uh, Montgomery Wards yeah. that were failing, uh, a number of engineering companies, uh, automobile dealerships, uh, large truck dealerships, i.e. Peterbilt, um, 
a ton of manufacturing facilities, uh, office parks, apartment complexes, um, and really, if you break the manufacturing businesses down, that that pretty well encompasses all of the 26 uh, veterinarian practices. Oh, my god! So just a variety of things because I, <laughs> I realized – I wish you hadn't written that book. It's such a great title. <laughs> I, I realized when my business failed uh, that – Profit has to be first, period. Yeah. Uh, it doesn't matter the industry. Yeah. And I think people people get caught up in uh, a bubble of their industry and think lots of things uh, don't matter. Uh, and everyone gravitates towards their field of interest. And I've, I've met very few business owners uh, – that have a true appreciation of uh, accounting mm-hmm. and examining their profit. Engineers would rather be engineers. Uh, doctors would would rather do doctor things and uh, leave that nasty accounting to someone else. Mm-hmm. So, I have discovered, Bob, that. Um, when I talk to people about profit first, they say, well, you don't know my business. You don't know my industry. It's different. And absolutely. But you, but you, you've been in 26 different industries. I think that represents all industries in the world. I don't know how many there are, but (laughs) I mean, it's a good scope, right? No, your, your statement is let, let me give you a synopsis. Typically, typically Mike, I get called by a bank that's going to lose their rear end. Uh, they either haven't paid paid attention to that account, and it is now underwater, and their collateral will not clear the debt, and they're getting ready to lose a ton of money, and so they call me and ask me to go take a look at the business, and basically, when everything is said and done. Uh, and a question I've never been asked, why on God's green earth do you take over these broke businesses? Because it allows me to put my hands on tens of millions of dollars of assets uh, with nothing down. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I do, in fact, take over the debt. Uh, I'm responsible for that personally. And obviously, over the years, I've, I've looked at a lot of businesses that, quite frankly, I didn't think that I could help. But the, the fact of the matter is, in going in and talking to the owner, exactly what you said, the first thing when I start asking questions, the very first thing I hear every single time, but Bob, you don't understand. Yeah, yeah. My business is different. Right. The next the next question I ask Mike is is your team aware of the financial situation you're in? Every single time uh, I hear this. Oh, God, no. If they knew, they'd all leave. 
So that's the second thing. They have hidden all of the financial information. And, and what I realized in my first business failing, and this was a small town dealership, 30 miles outside of Nashville that I bought very cheap. It sold a very few cars, uh, having been raised in Nashville. I was used to high volume, high profit deals. And within the first year, I was one of the top 10 dealers in a four state area. Hmm. And, Yet, when things turned bad, I lied to everyone. Mm. I lied to the bank. I lied to my employees, my team. Uh, I lied to my family. I kept it totally to myself. Mm -hmm. So after I failed, and as I started looking back at what I should have done, I came to realize that I wasn't the only owner. And it's something that most business people fail to realize. And that is, if the business fails, okay, my name's on the debt. Uh, I'm probably going to lose all of my collateral. Uh, the bank's going to go after my house, my cars, any other assets I have. But, Mike, I'm not the only loser. The employees are losers. Mm. My vendors are losers. Customers are losers. So I quickly realized after that, as, as I started taking businesses over, the first thing that I always do is lock the doors, take the phones off the hook, get everyone together, have them sit down, and tell them, we're going to go through the good, the bad, the ugly, and I tell them precisely where we are. And more times than not, what I hear from those employees is, we knew it was bad, but honestly, we thought it was a lot worse. It goes back really? to President Roosevelt. You know, our greatest fear is fear itself. So these people uh, have known that something's wrong. They, they have worried, uh, but information is being hid from them. Uh, so when you bring it out into the light, it takes the heat off of them, and it gives them something to shoot at when you create a plan. My, my big biggest business hero, and as a matter of fact, uh, you're talking to him right now? Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. He, he, yes. He's, <laughs> you, he's been my friend for 40 years, and that's T. Boone Pickens. Yep. And when I finished writing the book, I wrote Boone and sent him a draft and said, tell me what you think about the book. Mm -hmm. And he wrote me back. He said, I like it so much. If you would like, I'd write the foreword for you, mm. which he did. And Boone has often been quoted as saying that a fool with a plan can beat a genius without a plan. Mm. So the second thing that we do when I go into a business is 
we create a plan. And when I say we, it's not my plan, Mike. It's the team's plan because they're going to have to be the one to implement it. And, and I think something interesting in all of these turnarounds is I've never brought new money in to a deal until I made it profitable, number one. Really? <clears throat> number two, I do not go in with a staff. My son is our chief operating officer of all of the businesses that we have acquired that we continue to hold in our portfolio. Number of these businesses I've sold because we got them to the point that they needed additional capitalization, and three of those businesses I've sold to public companies. Mm. So, so business, your business is no different than any other. If you're not making a profit. Uh, you're in the same boat with everyone, and I don't give a cuss what your industry is. Yeah. And and as I say, uh, engineers especially don't want to hear that. They've they've created something that's unique. It's it's maybe valuable in the marketplace, uh, but if they're losing their butt. Uh, they're not going to be in business for long. It, it comes down to how much money th- they can borrow from banks, from their relatives, or pull out of their own pocket. But ultimately, they've got a glide slope with the earth. Now, I, I got to stop you. I got so many questions written down. I, I got to just go through my list here. You said early on, you don't know. People respond to you saying, Bob, you don't know my business. How, how are you going to turn me around? You don't know my business. You don't know my industry. How do you... Can, can you convince people that industry is irrelevant or, or how do you get past that barrier of them not listening to you because you don't know their business, as they said? Well, the answer is I can't. I, I have been unable to do that. Uh, and, and the reason is when everything is said and done, and let me, let me say this, I've taken over some unbelievable technical businesses. Mm-hmm. I have a business education, business background, but I'm not an engineer. Uh, and yet I've taken over some of the highest tech in including an engineering company that went in as a subcontractor of Westinghouse Nuclear and rebuilt nuclear power plants all over the world. Now, uh, what on God's green earth do I understand about a nuclear power plant? Very little. But yet we were a prime subcontractor of Westinghouse Nuclear for eight years. Uh, One of my engineering companies worked with the largest Italian oil and gas company, ENI, and we laid three pipelines from Algeria to Sicily in, at that time, the deep water record of 1,995 feet. What do I know about welding 20-inch chrome molly steel pipelines? Not very much, but we became profitable. And, and, 
the reason that we did, and in those, and the reason I mentioned the engineering companies is I desperately needed the owners to stay with the company as an employee. But I tried early on to work with an owner that the bank sent me in to see if I could help this guy. And I found myself spending more time arguing with him, defending his bad previous decisions than I did working on the problems of the business. So I promised myself from that point on, I'll buy the business. Now, having bought those engineering companies so that I was in charge and responsible for the ultimate decision, I found that the previous owner was not a help. He was a hindrance Mm. because he continued to press his defense against bad decisions. And, And so by taking the team, Mike, and and empowering them. They know what needs to be done. So my job is to run interference, kick the hurdles out of their way, provide them with the tools that they need to succeed against a plan. And then I think the biggest thing that we do is we measure our performance on a daily basis. And I've had people say, well, you can't do that. My business is different. Bull crap. We can measure the performance of any business and and we can measure our profit because profit comes first. And I pound that. You know, Jack Welch says, if you want to get your point across, repeat, 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 repeat. So, It comes down to my job becoming a teacher and a coach of profit. How we get there, how we make it profitable, uh, and and most of it, Mike, is very common sense. Well, let me ask you this. So our listeners, they're not going to be a situation where a guy like you can come in and do a turnaround and they can sell their business. A lot of them are in a business that's surviving check by check. It's slowly you know, chewing away at their personal savings, they have to turn around themselves. Do you have sage advice for them? How can they turn around their business? It just so happens, Mike, that I have written a book. book. (laughs) Strengthen your business. It's available on Amazon. It's a quick read. And I I was shamed into writing this book, Kelsey and Mike, by my dear wife who has told me for years, you really ought to write a book. About a year ago, she walked in and said, I just want to say something. You've made so many dumbass mistakes in your business (laughs) career that if you drop dead, you're going to elude the answer to how you got out of those problems. Mm. So, with that, I wrote the book, and, and I covered the things. And I think the, the biggest thing in getting to profit, number one, 
empower your team, tell them every darn thing there is, pull the financial statements out, hand it to them, explain what those financial statements represent, teach them to read it. There aren't any secrets except payroll. Mm -hmm. We're not going to share who makes what. But then we come up with a plan that tells every single person who is doing what, to whom, when, and for how much. Then I ask them, okay, how is the best way to measure our business? If we're a manufacturing facility, is it units produced per day? Is it revenue? Mm -hmm. Uh, Should we be tracking cost on a daily basis? And then we put whiteboards up. And we post them every single day. And and after 52 years, Mike, I find it the greatest motivator of a team that you've ever seen. Now, stop and think about this for a second. If you and Kelsey and I go to a basketball game tonight, and we're a few minutes late, and we walk into the stadium, and we look, and the team's already playing, right. and we sit down, and there's no scoreboard. So we turn to the people next to us and go, what's score? And they say, we're not keeping score. Well, how much time's left? Well, they're not running a clock either. Oh, my God. How, how do we know where we are? We don't. Right. And people, people put their employees, their team, in that same circumstance. They don't know where we are. Right. Uh, are we ahead or behind? We don't know because we don't have a plan. So I call it taillight accounting. I have an MBA degree. I've got a lot of class hours of accounting, and I enjoy accounting. However, the simple fact of the matter is, if you stand back and think about it, we as business people, if we're going to measure the month of May, what most companies do, either internally or with an external CPA firm, they pull their P&L at the end of the month. Well, okay, the end of the month is the 31st. By the time the bank statements are printed out and it gets to your CPA or accountant, you're 10 to 15 days into June before you can take a look at May. Right. That's, 30, that's 31 days plus 10 of the period you're measuring. Small businesses can't can't take that. They need headlight account. Yeah, it's like you go to a basketball yeah, like game, you, there's no score, no time, you decide to leave, and then they say, oh, uh, here's the team that won. You know, you hear the score a month later, and they're already playing the next game. Like, it's, it's way too late. Sure. Yeah. We got to be super quippy sure. here. I only got five minutes left. Tell me the other steps that people can use to make their business profitable again. Start with a plan, include your team, make them help with the plan, and focus first on reducing costs. Mm, First cost. Everyone, everyone, uh, again, one of the things all of the owners tell me the day I walk in is all we need is a little more revenue and a little little additional capital. Well, guess what? We could take a business today and go out and spend a million dollars on marketing and advertising. We have no guarantee that it's going to generate one additional dollar. What we can do is control our cost. 
three three of the businesses that we have owned, Mike, have revenue in excess of $300 million a year. They're not mom and pop deals. And yet the team, not me, the team has reduced cost in every single one of the 77 businesses I've taken over by at least 34%. I didn't do any of that, okay? I did none of that. I will take 5% of the credit of the turnarounds that I've worked on. The rest goes to the team. So that's the value I place on team, a plan, measuring it, doing headlight accounting by measuring on a daily basis the matrix that make us profitable. Okay. So cut costs first, measure the metrics. Is there any steps after that, or does that kind of put you on the permanent path to profitability? There there are a number of steps uh, after that. Uh, I go into a lot of detail of making these uh, steps work. But, Mike, you have to buy the book. I love it. So so the final step is always be selling your book. Always be selling. Exactly. So, Bob, why don't you tell us before we let you go, tell us about where people can get the book. Well, give us some details on on the book, and uh, I'll tell everyone. It's, it is called um, – where did I put it here? Find, where, oh, here it is. Strengthen, Strengthen Your Business. Your business. Yeah. Strengthen Your Business, the subtitle. That's what I was looking at. Full, fail-proof strategies for the man who rescued 77 businesses. So, Strengthen Your Business. Where can people find this book? And it's – it's on Amazon, Mike. And, and let, me, let me say this. I, I look at this book this way, and, and you tell me if, if this makes sense to you. If I can take the steps, and, and you don't have to buy a system. You don't have to. The only thing you need after you get this book is some whiteboards. Mm-hmm. That's all you need. So it. It appears to me if I can take 77 broke businesses in 26 different industries and turn them around using these steps, if your business is not failing, wouldn't it make sense that instituting these steps would actually be failure insurance for your business? And, and, and let, me, let me read you the last paragraph of Boone Pickens' foreword. Okay. Every country in the world depends on the kind of small and medium-sized businesses Bob aims to help with strengthen your business. I would advise any business owner, whether times are troubled or prosperous, to study and apply the lessons Bob demonstrates. Mm. Doing so has the power to transform your business into a more efficient and profitable operation. Mm. And I think that's high praise coming from Boone Pickens. Uh, yeah, that's super high praise. Bob, thank, and you don't have an audible version. I just That's what I was trying to look up on the web. Not yet, at least. I hope you'll, no. I hope you'll come out with audio, audible, and I hope you read it. I like I like when the author reads their own books. Um, so just, that's my little plug for you. I do, and I've read your books. 
Well, you haven't listened to him. You got to listen to him. Yeah, it is funny. I go crazy. <laughs> I go. I go. I go on tangentials. It's a, it's a meandering, blabbering, blathering. Um, dialogue. I will do that. <laughs> yeah, listen to it, and who knows? Maybe I maybe I make a shout out. <coughs> All right, Bob. Um, well, thank you for coming on the show. We got to rock and roll. What we're gonna do is we're gonna uh, summarize what we learned from you. So hang on tight, and you can listen to us talk about you. Okay. Very good. All right. Thanks, Bob. Thanks for joining Bye. us today, Bob. All right, Kelsey, that was actually a pretty amazing interview. I hate that the clock goes so fast. I know. But I will tell you, when the clock goes that fast, you know it's good stuff. Um, so here's what we're going to do, Kelsey. What are we going to do? We're going to do what we always do. We are going to summarize what we learned. Um, we're going to um, have a, we have a listener mail that came in. We're going to answer that. And then we're going to um, say goodbye. But first, I want to thank our corporate partners. Perfect. All right. So uh, I want to thank Right Networks that, that got Bob on our show here. Uh, right Networks helps entrepreneurs like you, and when I'm saying you, I don't mean you, Kelsey, alone. I mean our listeners, to securely transition your accounting-based desktop applications into the cloud. Now, here's the deal. That's because we do the Prop First podcast. They think it's only accounting. Uh, a lot of people think it's only accounting software. You can move any desktop software to the cloud, regardless of the version you're using. As a partner with Right Networks, you can trust that they will take away the burden of IT so you have more time to focus on your business. You don't need a file server anymore. You don't need an IT guy that comes in, charges you like $200 a second, and they make your computers not work right. Right Networks takes it all away. They move your desktop and all your legacy applications to the cloud so that you can run your business from the web. Work from anywhere, anytime, and you also enjoy the added security of being on their platform. If you want to learn more, listen, they don't give you a website to go to because they're like, oh my God, you're on legacy apps. We need to give you a phone number. Um, and you can even do a rotary phone. They know phone. their audience. I know. I know. They know their audience. So like, if you have a rotary phone, dial 888. It takes a long time. It's like 888. So it's 888-210-0237. That was 888-210-0237. Write that down. 888 888- Two one zero zero two three seven. That's right. Networks, and if you tell them profit first, they not will give Mike. you ten. Not Mike. Don't say this is from Mike. They'll be like, who's that guy? Say profit first. They're offering a ten percent discount um, currently for the. I think it's the first month. It doesn't actually specify. It just says ten percent off. So I'm going to Mike. It's for life. I think it's Forever. for life. I think it's for life. Yeah. So I would say, hey, I heard I get ten percent uh, off for life. Uh, profit first. Yeah. You can That's try right at now. least. What are they going to say? Yeah, and if you want to go to their website, it's rightnetworks.com, but I would give them a call. Um, also, Nextiva. Yes. Voice over IP phone system. We use them. Uh, are you getting the new phone for me? I for my am. house? Okay. Mm-hmm. How do you like that new one? Love it. The yeah. clarity. So they use the Polycom phone system. It's a Polycom phone, but it runs flawlessly over their uh, the Nextiva network. And so now that we, we purchased our new house, uh, I have a little office in my new house. I want to sync that office with here and uh, i brought my old phone over i plugged it in it fired right up by the way and worked i just want to get a new phone yeah yeah once you're you have that nice fancy one how yeah, you go yeah, back? So yeah you can't go back no um and then receipt bank mm-hmm. that's a uh receipt scanning system so all those receipts you have you just scan them in they sync up with your accounting system um and all these compliance issues now nowadays there's that gdpr I know. right you got to comply with tax law and the government could say hey where's your receipts for all these expenses you just show, hey, I scanned them in Receipt Bank, baby. 
You don't have to pull out the old crusty receipts that are folded up in a shoebox. Yeah, when they start to fade after like a week. Oh my god! What what is up with those I don't receipts? Know. I really hate that. I wonder if that's by design. Because I went back to return. Yeah, that I, actually makes sense. I went to Home Depot. Design. I went to Home Depot to return something, and I go, "Where's your receipt?" I pulled it out. I'm like, they're like, "Oh, thanks for the white strip yeah, of paper." Exactly. <laughs> thanks for the white strip of paper. Where's the receipt? I'm like, this, I swear to God, this is it. Yeah. I bought it three hours ago. It faded. <laughs> the oil. Ink. Yeah, it is invisible ink, and I couldn't return it. That's a good business strategy. Whoever is, invented right? that company, good job. <laughs> All right, so that's our sponsors. Please check them out. I think they could benefit your business. Now, let's uh, talk about what we learned today. Yes. Uh, You're up first, madam. So I think my biggest, largest like overall takeaway yeah. is the reoccurring theme of shame around money. Yes. I feel like the overarching theme here is that ultimately we don't, like to take ownership of our money we have this like shame like you said so many times people lie to the people around them when they're having these money problems or when their business is going under meanwhile if they took his approach from the beginning and it seems so obvious but if you were just honest with your team they probably have the solutions within that group of people and if nothing else you have an awareness to create goals to work towards to fix the problem but if you just you know hide under a rock it just gets worse and works and compiles. Yeah, you know? isn't this so funny? Human nature is the same. Yeah. In both yeah. personal finance, we start to hide. In business finance, we yeah. start to hide. Yeah. That's what, when I had my closing, my closing lawyer said, because my the seller had to come up with $5,000 at the very last minute, and he was like, she had to have known that she needed to pay this money. And he was like, but I see it all the time. For whatever reason... People do not like to actually look at the amount of money that they owe. Yes. And then they come and they're like, oh, I, I didn't know. And, and they panic. Yeah. Oh. I learned a lot. First, I want to go to Orange Beach, Alabama. Yeah. Um, I haven't heard of Orange Beach, but I'm telling you, they are the, probably the most beautiful beaches I've I've personally visited. Long rolling beaches into the water. Oh. Um, and I'm, I'm praying for our brothers and sisters in Alabama never got hit by the recent hurricane. They're getting worse, those hurricanes. No. And it is, right now, when we're recording this, it's not even June yet, and the um, the hurricane season seems to have started. It usually starts in September. It's like a new era. It's a new era. A um, couple of things I learned. Recessions show how, show how smart you are, or stupid you are, as Bob put it. Um, <laughs> it's interesting. There's a saying, when you owe a bank $10,000, it's your problem. When you owe a bank $10 million, it's their problem. Yeah. And so I think that was a big takeaway. That a guy like him gets called in when it becomes a real problem. Um, you're not the only owner. There's employees, vendors, and mm-hmm. stuff like that. That was a big takeaway. And I had one more thing. I can't turn the page. Uh, oh, he goes, he never, this was the big one, never borrows money or leverages. Uh-huh. People use the word leverage money until no, he's profitable. profitable. No. God, that's what gets me. I can't tell you how many events I go to. They say, I just need some money to become profitable. Yeah. No. Yeah. If the system's broke, it's just going to be, you're going to lose more money, more money you put into it. Yep. Cut yeah. costs first. Amazing, amazing, quippy stuff. We also want to know what you learned, uh, my dear friends. Now, before we split, um, give us that one uh, listener mail we got. Oh, of course. Let so me this, hit this one button. comes from. You've got mail. Pattern baldness. Okay, now I'm ready. Now I'm ready. <laughs> This comes from Monica Galvis. She says, I'm currently in the process of creating a startup. I'm halfway through the book, so I'm not sure if it's too early for this question, but how can I implement this method before I even have any revenue? How can I determine the percentages? Do you have a simple startup version? So, uh, Monica, you can do this immediately. Here's the irony. If you haven't started a business, you don't, quote, unquote, know better. So you can just go into it. Um, 
use the TAPS, the target allocation percentage we defined for your business starting from day one. And if you need to adjust downward a little bit after you start, that's okay. But start at the TAPS because you don't know better. And the funny thing is usually you'll structure the business from the get-go properly around the TAPS. The mistake I think early businesses start saying, well, I can't use profit first until I'm in business for two, three years. That's wrong. You can use it from day one. Hope that helps, Monica. Oops. There we go. Mm. Oops. That's our fade out. I had too loud. All right, now we're ready to go. Take us out, Kels. Well, everybody, please leave us comments and ratings on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, and ProductEarthPodcast.com. Or you can always email me if you have any comments or suggestions or you want, if you have a question you want us to answer, you can email me at Kelsey at MikeMcCallowitz.com. And hey, did you uh, did you imbibe in your housewarming gifts? You had your family over. Yes, I did. All right, we'll talk about that next week, next episode. I want to hear how that went. Um, <laughs> that was a weird insert. There. Uh, and one more thing I want you to do is go to Profit First Professionals, my friends. You know what we are by now, right? We're an organization that coaches Profit First to businesses just like yours. And sometimes it's nice to have a Bob-like person out there helping your business. A turnaround specialist, if you will, who specializes in Profit First. Just go to ProfitFirstProfessionals.com, click on Find One, and we'll hook you up. And uh, by all means, for God's sake, get Strengthen Your Business by Bob Bethel. Now, he goes by his full name, Robert Thomas Bethel. But Strengthen Your Business, fail-proof strategies from the man who had rescued 77 businesses. It's on Amazon right now. All right, that's it. We'll catch you all later. Bazinga. Bruh. Bazinga. Bruh.